All that he has redeemed you from, you have. All that Jesus did and accomplished by his sacrifice, you are, you are now total, you are the total beneficiary of that. You benefit, every benefit that comes out of Jesus' sacrifice is yours. It belongs to you. You have it. All that he finished, you have. That's why Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, talking about his sacrifice, how shall he not with him give you freely all things? Because when Christ comes, all things come. All things that he finished is yours. All that he is right now is yours. Glory to God. So let's examine what it is that you received what it is that you have now because of the sacrifice. Remember, we want to get the specifics. We want to know what are these every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What are these, all these other things? He shall, shall he not freely give us all these other things. What are these all things that pertain unto life and godliness? Let's try to get some insight into that. And we're going to just get some insight just by looking at the sacrifice, just by looking at what comes out of the sacrifice, because whatever comes out of the sacrifice belongs to you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So when we're when we, when we talking about this, what comes out of the sacrifice, we're talking about what comes out of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his, his, his name, that is now ours, his life that is now being lived in us and through us, and the great and precious promises that are given unto you and, me, you and I so that we can partake of the divine nature. We are talking about those eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? So let's identify what you have through the sacrifice. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's start off first. Let's consider Jesus' death and crucifixion. Because whatever Jesus accomplished in his death belongs to you. Amen. And let us in the same time bear in mind the great love and the nature of God. The love and the nature of God. Like, I mean, God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That was a demonstration of the love of God. That was a demonstration of the nature of God. How he is that he would do that. But not only did he offer up his son that, that, uh, and his sacrifice, but look at this. He also placed us in his sacrifice. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 says that you are buried with Christ in baptism in which you also were raised up with Christ through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. You see what happened is when Christ was on the cross, God placed you and I and all of humanity in him. So that when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified. When Jesus was buried, that old man was buried. When Jesus was resurrected, you were raised up in the newness of life. 
When Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places. When Jesus shed his blood, his blood washed you, it cleansed you, it, it gave you, it brought you into a new covenant with all of the rights and privileges. And on top of that, Jesus also became the life that is on the inside of you. He gave you his very own life so that the life you now live, it, it is the life of Christ and he lived by the faith of the Son of God. And then you've you got a brand new name. You've got the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can execute the same authority that he himself would execute. And then he's given you great and precious promises so that we can access whichever cupboard we need. So that we can access whatever aspect of the divine nature that need to be made manifest. Hallelujah. Amen. So the love of God it was so awesome that not only did he send Jesus to the cross, but he placed you in him. And he, and he dealt with that aspect as well. Jesus didn't just die for you, <laughs> but you died with him. Amen? Now again, let, let, let me just read these verses of scripture. Just to, just to capture the heart of God, the nature of God, the love of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. God who is rich in mercy. He is. He doesn't just act like it. It's the essence of his being. Because of this great love with which he loved us. With which he loved you. Even when you were dead in trespasses and sins. Even when you were an enemy in your mind towards God. Had no desire towards him. He made you alive together with Christ. And by grace you've been saved. He raised you up together with Christ. And you, he made you to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So that in the ages to come, he might show and demonstrate the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That is the nature of God that did that. That is a man, these are not just promises, these, uh, which it is, but uh, uh, it is not just biblical scriptural truth, which it is, but it is a revelation of the Father's nature. Such magnificent, infinite love, kindness, grace, and mercy. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For you are his workmanship. In this new creation, you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he had before ordained that you should walk in. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So, what comes out of his death and crucifixion that is yours? Let's, let's look at a couple of it. Just consider the crucifixion and the burial. I'm just going to give you a couple of things quickly. Number one. Sin nature was crucified because you were crucified with him. Romans 6 verse 6 says that the body of sin might be destroyed. But you need to know that. Number two, you were crucified with him. Galatians 2.20, you were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Yet it's not you, but it's Christ that lived in you. Number three, people were crucified. You were crucified and people were crucified. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, the love of Christ constrains us and controls us. And, and so that this is what we judge, that when one died for all, then we're all dead. So everyone was crucified. And then when we learn to walk that out, then instead of people, uh, instead of you responding and reacting to people and being influenced and affected, by people and all of that you can be crucified to them and they could be crucified to you 
Amen. And you could be in that place where you're able to remit their sins and not hold anything against them, just like God was in Christ reconciling you onto your to himself and not imputing your sins and trespasses to you. You could be that way with other people. Where you are a minister of reconciliation and you are not imputing their sins, their trespasses and their wrongdoings to them as well. Because of the reality that they've been crucified. Amen. Alright, number four. The law has been, you've been crucified to the law, to the body of Christ. Romans 7 verse 4. And the curse of the law, you're crucified to the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. Number six. You, you are crucified to the world. Galatians 6 verse 14. And the world is crucified to you. That's number seven. Number eight. Sickness no longer have any dominion over you. Because being dead to sin, you live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus bore every sickness. He carried every infirmity. Matthew 8 verse 17. So he took your sickness and he carried them away. Amen. So you are crucified to them and they have no authority over your life. Number nine. By the body of Christ... You have healing manifested by a stripe you're healed. Number 10. Every attack of the enemy against your finances and against your, your, your economic life ended when Jesus was made a curse. Through his body, those things that the enemy might try to come against you with to bring you poverty and lack, you need to recognize, first of all, I'm not here. You need to recognize that the sacrifice of Christ ended those things. And you need to believe and declare that and find out what, what wealth, what inheritance, what is already yours and claim it and declare it and believe it and speak it. Hallelujah. Every attack, number 11, every attack and every limitation that comes from, the, from, from your humanity, your race, your background, your, uh, and your history and, and, and all this stuff with genes and what's hereditary, all of those things ended once and for all. When Jesus presented his body as an offering for sin. Amen. And then Bible said when it was finished, he sat down expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Glory to God. Revelation 5.9 says you're redeemed from all of those human limitations. Number 12. Everything from your history and your genes and generational curses. All of that ended by his death. And so on. Amen. Now let me put the button here. The button is you must also receive these things as finished. You must receive that they ended through the, through the offering of the body of Christ because of his crucifixion and because of his burial. That they all ended. But you need to boldly declare. You need to boldly declare with confidence. By the faith of Christ, the freedoms and the liberty and the riches and the wealth and what has ended because of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and you being crucified with him. Amen? Hallelujah. You got to do that. You got to do that. You see, the power of manifestation, the power for the manifestation of your freedom comes from your declaration. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 that the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. 
What is the power of God? The preaching, the proclamation, the declaring. It is not good enough for, for you to simply know that the old man has been crucified. It's not good enough for you to know people are crucified onto you and you onto them and, and you don't have to walk after the spirit of the world. You got to be able, you have to declare it. It is the declaration and the proclamation and the preaching and the proclaiming and the commanding of those things that are finished. It is the declaration of the cross and the sacrifice. That is where the power comes from. Titus 1 verse 1 puts it this way. It says it is the acknowledgement of the truth that produces that godliness. Produces that God kind of life. Titus 1 verse 3 says God has chosen and ordained to manifest his word through preaching. In other words, God says, when you speak and you declare and you proclaim my word, I'm going to come along and I'm going to manifest it. Amen? Jesus is the high priest of your confession. Jesus, the government is on his shoulder. He is the one that backs you up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Job 22, 28 says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. And it's going to cause light to shine upon your pathways. In other words then, when you declare and you decree what the word of God says, what is finished, and who you are, it causes light to shine upon your pathways. In other words, it begins to order your steps in the way in which you should go, and it begins to order your steps in God. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Psalms 85 verse 13, that God says he will plant you in his footsteps. How does he do that? You've got to learn how to talk right. It must become, it, it must become, it, it is, let me put it this way. You must, it must become your talk before it becomes your walk. It must become your talk before it becomes your walk. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 verse 9, Behold, I've touched your mouth and I've put my words in your mouth. And then in verse 12, God says, I will watch over my word to perform it. What word? The word that he put in Jeremiah's mouth. If Jeremiah doesn't speak the word that is in his mouth, then the tearing down, the destroying, and the, the building, and the planting, and what needs to be done, cannot be done. God is not released to perform it. The Holy Ghost is not released to, to produce the manifestation of your healing, of your deliverance, and the fulfillment of what Jesus has finished in your life until you begin to proclaim it, until you begin to declare it, until you begin to command it and decree it. Amen? Hallelujah. How much time do I have left? Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Now, what is yours because of resurrection? First Peter 1 verse 3 and 4 says, You are born again. You are born again to a living hope. You are born again to a living hope and to an inheritance that is undefiled, that is incorruptible, reserved for you in heaven. So by the resurrection, you have been born to a new hope. You are now born again to all that God had purposed for you, all that God had spoken about you from the foundation of the world. All of these things are now yours by resurrection. By resurrection, you've now come into an inheritance. But now you see, if you've got an inheritance, if someone died and leave an inheritance for you, that inheritance, you cannot possess it. 
You cannot manifest it unless the person that died, died. <laughs> Amen. The will is not enforced until the one that made the will died. Amen. Well, so the one that made the will, which is Christ himself, he died. So now everything that is in that will is yours. And it is enforced. You can act in it. You don't have to wait for him to die or for you to die. <laughs> he died. Hebrews 9 verse 16 and 17 talks about that. So the inheritance is already yours. The inheritance is yours. But again, you got to know what's in the will. You know, I, I, I know I told stories told about this woman, her husband had died and, and so on. And she was just looking at all the expenses and what she has. And she don't know what her life is going to be like now that her husband is gone. She know he left a will, but she don't have a clue. She don't know what's in the will. Well, if she would just take time and read the will, find out what is in the will, she might find out that there was a whole lot of wealth and provisions that he had made for her that belongs to her. So what should she do? Read the will. And you can't come along and just change the will. It don't work that way. Not after the person dies. You see, religion tries to change the will of God and says it might not be God's will to heal you. That's wrong. That's illegal. You're trying to change the will. Anyway, you need to know what belongs to you by inheritance. God himself is yours by inheritance. All that he is is yours by inheritance. Because of resurrection. Because of the ascension. And I'm lumping resurrection and ascension together. You are a joint heir with Christ and an heir with God. Romans 8 verse 17. Jesus became an heir of all things. Hebrews 1 verse 2. Everything that he's an heir to is also yours. Now, by the blood of the Lord Jesus and the torn body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the veil of his flesh, so to speak, you have boldness and access into the very presence of God so that, quite frankly, according to the word of God, there is now a new and a living way that Jesus consecrated for us to not only approach God, but where you and I now live. It's a new and a living way. You and I live in the presence of God. It is wonderful to have the presence of God manifested. That's wonderful. And we ought to have an appetite and a desire for, for that. But having said that, you live in the presence of God in the holiest of holies. You have that. You have that. You have the presence of God. You also have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Holy Ghost which those that believe in him shall receive. Before the day of Pentecost, Jesus has said to the disciples before he left, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high after that the Holy Ghost has come. Well, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. And when you are born again and you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you now have the power of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. You have it, not going to have it. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. And then also too, now what about the blood? Well, because of the blood, the day that we are living in, there is now a new covenant. There is a covenant where you are forgiven according to the riches of His grace. There is a covenant where Jesus was made sin and you are now made the righteousness of God in Christ. Which means you've got rights. Which means you've got... Which means you've got 
uh, you have right standing. You are in a place where as if sin has never been. You are justified. You are free from guilt and condemnation and insecurity and inferiority. There is no record of any sins in heaven. The Bible says the, the heavenly things have to be cleansed by a better sacrifice. And that sacrifice was the blood of Jesus. There is no record of any sin or any wrongdoing in before the throne of God on your behalf. That's what this, new, this blood has done. This blood has given you a place in the presence of the Father. This blood has given you authority over the enemy. Glory to God. This blood gives you the power to be able to remit the sins of others, even though they may have not, they are there, may not even say sorry, even though they may have violated you. You are, you are in this place as a minister of reconciliation, not to impute it against them. Glory to God. The power of the blood. Everything the blood has purchased, you have. So you study it out. You find out, well, what has the blood done? Well, whatever it has done, whatever it's done is yours. And then, and then again, the name of Jesus. The Bible says you now have life to his name. John chapter 20 verse 31. The very nature of God is, 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 is yours because of the name of Jesus. The authority over, over hell, over death, over sickness, over disease is yours in the name of Jesus. The Bible, the, the word of God, the word of God says, um, um, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Behold, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The enemy has been spoiled. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. Jesus stripped the devil, the devil whatever, of whatever power he had. He stripped him, made him naked, completely took it all. Now Jesus arose from the dead and he says, all power, not some, both in heaven and earth is in me. I've got it. And he's given us his name. And in that name, all of that power is there. The devil has no power except what you, can, what you give him through unbelief or ignorance. But we have power. You've got power. And it is in the name of Jesus. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name they will speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then there's the life of Christ. As he is, so are you in this world. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you. Christ, his very life, his very identity is your new identity. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 6, verse 17, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. It didn't say you joined to his spirit is one plus one, two spirit. No, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. The life that you now have, it is the life of Christ. Glory to God. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then verse 4, when Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. You do not get the manifestation of who you are until you get the manifestation of the life of Christ that is in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's why Paul says, I desire and I determine to know nothing among you except Christ, Jesus Christ, the reality of his life, and him crucified, what he finished in his sacrifice. To know if Christ is alive in you and to know that what he finished is what you're walking in. First John 4, 9 says, here is the love of God manifested. It's manifested that, 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 he, that, that um, you might now live. Let me read it correctly. First Epistle of John, chapter 4, and verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that 
God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him or that, that he might live his life in you and through you and the life you would now live would be his life glory to God the very life of Christ is part of what you have because of because of, of, of the sacrifice of Christ amen and then finally the promises the Bible says he's given us great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Now, the promises of God are what for? They are to cause the manifestation of the very nature of God. You know, like I, I was looking at this promise in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 9 verse 8, where it says, You know the grace of the Lord Jesus. Even though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. That you would have an abundance. In other words then the very grace of God and the very heart of God is that you would be rich. And actually you know that's 2 Corinthians 8-9. But in another place where he says I will cause all grace to abound towards you. That you would have all sufficiency. And that you would have an abundance for every good work. And you will abound to every good work. In other words, then the very nature and heart of God is for you to have all sufficiency. For you to have abundance. For grace to flow in your life. And to flow through your life. So that you can be able to give to every good work. And follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So there are the promises of God that are not just so that you can get this need met or that need met or this answer to the problem, but the promises of God is to part so that you can take the part of the divine nature that you need. And when that divine nature shows up, the problem is solved. The answer comes. The need is met. If the problem is sickness and the nature of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer, shows up and you can get that manifested, bingo, sickness is gone. It cannot stand in his presence. So, but you gotta, but you gotta believe this stuff. You see, here is the thing. Now, it's not only the promises, but it is also the divine utterances. It says in First Corinthians chapter one, verse four and five, Paul was saying, "I thank my God that you are enriched in everything and in utterance." That whispering of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost leading and guiding you, the Holy Ghost. There's an unction that you have received from the Holy One that teaches you all things, and even as He has taught you, you shall abide in Him. First John two twenty seven. There's that unction. There is that witness of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says. My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Every once you are his sheep, you do hear his voice. You know, you got to learn to distinguish it. You got to become more in tune, but you do hear his voice. It might not always come in words. It might come in vision. It might come in imagery. It might come as an urging. It might come as a, as a prompting. It might come as a, 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 a something like that. But you got to become sensitive to that, because that is his leading. In fact, Romans chapter 7 and verse 6 says that one of the ways you walk in this newness of life is becoming sensitive to these promptings of the Holy Ghost and then following after it. Glory to God. There are some things sometimes you, all, you don't always have chapter and verse, but the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will lead you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the promises of God. I'm talking about the about divine utterances of God that comes because you are born again and, you, and the sacrifice of Christ is finished and the Holy Ghost is living inside of you. And, he's, and whatever you hear, that shall he speak. And he's shown you things to come and he is leading you and he is guiding you and he is bearing witness to you. And when you can recognize and you can follow after those things, he will bring you into the place where you will prosper. He will bring you into the place where you will profit. He will bring you into the place where the promises of God can be fulfilled in your life. Glory to God. But again, you've got to declare it. In conclusion, you are rich. 
you have received an abundant and unsurpassable inheritance. All that God is and all that God has is yours. And you are free indeed. No yokes, no bondages. You are only yoked together with Christ. You are rich and you are free. All things are yours, but you've got to declare them. You've got to demand. You've got to command. You have got to speak. This is the way the spirit of faith works. According as it is written, we believe and therefore speak. Concerning the works of my hands, the word of God says, command ye me. Jeremiah 23, 28 says, He that has my word, let him speak it faithfully. And that word of God is like a fire and it's like a hammer that will break the rocks in pieces. You keep speaking that word faithfully, the hammer of the word will break the rocks in pieces and you are going to have a breakthrough. Amen? So make up your mind. You are a king, talk like a king. You are a lord, talk like a lord. Jesus is the king of kings, but you are a king. He is the lord of lords, you are a lord. Talk like a priest, he is the high priest. And he will watch over his word. When you speak it, and it agrees with him, the government is on his shoulder, he will watch over it, and he will perform it. So get a hold of the reality of what belongs to you. Get a hold of what it is you have received because of the sacrifice, because of what is finished. Get a hold of what you receive because you've received Christ, and as he is, so are you in this world. And begin to identify them, begin to declare them, begin to agree with them, begin to think accordingly, and begin to speak and declare and command and act like a son of God. All of creation is waiting to see the manifestation of the sons of God and to see that nature of Christ that is within us come forth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I declare that you are blessed. I declare the word of God is working mightily within you. According to Thessalonians, that word is working effectively in those of you that believe. Hallelujah.